All right. So as we enter into these final chapters of Joshua, uh, we will see Joshua and the Israelites moving into the promised land, taking possession of what God has given them. Um, they have been and they still are participating in the purposes of God. Uh, I told you this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to tell you again just so you'll, you'll know. Uh, God gives the land as an inheritance to the Israelites. So all of this land that, that we're going to be talking about tonight and as we move forward, all of this land, it is an inheritance to the Israelites from God. Uh, the whole land of Canaan, it was a gift from God to his children. Uh, I also told you this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to remind you again, it was the Israelites who divided and allocated the land as an act of obedience to God. So what we're going to see Joshua and the Israelites doing uh, even tonight in these chapters and as we move forward, uh, this is an act of obedience, that they are doing what God commanded them to do. Uh, so the land of Canaan was a gift from God to his children, and this act of obedience, uh, it goes all the way back to Moses. As God commanded Moses years before, God now commands Joshua, and he leads the people to do what God instructs them to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, some groups tonight. The first group that I want to talk about is Judah. Judah was the fourth son of Jacob by his wife Leah. Now you're probably going, Brother Jeff, uh, why are we talking about Judah? Shouldn't we talk about Reuben? Isn't Reuben the firstborn? Yes. But do you remember what happened to Reuben? Oh yeah, he betrayed his father's trust. And so uh, Reuben was put to the side, so to speak. And then what about Simeon? What about Levi? Well, guess what? They too uh, took their daddy's trust and and basically uh, squandered it, squashed it, if you will. And so Judah was the fourth son of Jacob by his wife Leah, but he's the one that received the blessing, the first blessing, okay? So let's look at it. I want to show you Genesis 49. Before we get into Joshua, I want to show you each one of these blessings for these, these tribes. So we're going to start with Genesis chapter 49. This is the blessing for Judah beginning in verse 8. It says, Judah... Your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. So ultimately, it's the tribe of Judah that leads all the tribes of Israel. Uh, of course, in Jacob's own blessing of Judah, we also see the promise of who? Anybody? Who'd he just promise? Jesus, that's right. If you look at that last verse, verse 10 that I just read, it says, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He's referring to Jesus. He's referring to Messiah, the Savior. And so, uh, when you look at Judah, this is an incredible promise. This is an incredible blessing. And so again, Judah was, was Jacob's fourth child by Leah, but Judah was also 
the largest tribe of Israel. Okay, so Judah was the, the largest of Israel's tribes. They received a large piece of land in the southern part of Palestine, uh, just south of Jerusalem. So if you're wondering where that is, uh, again, it's just south of Jerusalem. Um, I love this because in Joshua chapter 15, again, I'm not going to try to read every verse out of all these chapters. I'm basically going to highlight it. If you want to go back and look at it, uh, in these chapters, it gives you the land description, a uh, very, very detailed land description. And so I, I would encourage you to go back and look at it. Uh, but I do love this. In Joshua chapter 15, verse 63, you remember what I've been telling you about Joshua all along? An incredible man, a godly leader, but was Joshua perfect? Nope. Do you think all of these tribes were perfect? Nope, they were not. None of these tribes were perfect. Uh, Joshua needed a savior. All of these tribes needed a Savior. And, and so just remember that because Joshua chapter 15 verse 63 tells us this. Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. Now listen, we don't know why uh, or how they could not drive out these people But most scholars believe it was because either they were unwilling to drive out the Jebusites or it could have been an act of disobedience. Now, as we will find out later in their history, guess what the people of Judah do? They intermarry with the Jebusites. As a matter of fact, they even begin to serve those gods, those false gods. And so we got to remember that uh, Judah was an incredible tribe. They were one of the largest tribes. They, they received an incredible blessing. Uh, but remember, it's, it's God who is always faithful, right? Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. And so um, I, I love this story of Judah. As a matter of fact, another very important detail about Judah, uh, an important member of Judah was a man named Othniel. Othniel became the first judge of Israel. Did you know that? From the tribe of Judah, the very first judge, Othniel, he was from the tribe of Judah. You can find that in Judges uh, chapters 1 through 3. The Bible says this about Othniel. The Spirit of God came upon him, and he would lead Israel into 40 years of peace. He was Caleb's nephew, and eventually married Caleb's daughter, Aksah. And so uh, we see the ties there. Uh, Very, very interesting details. So, the next tribe that I want us to look at is the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim was the second son of Joseph, but he was adopted by Jacob. A lot of people get confused. When we talk about the 12 tribes of Israel, a lot of people will say, well, what about Joseph? Where's Joseph's tribe? Well, if you'll remember, Jacob adopted his two children, Manasseh and Ephraim. And so Ephraim was the second son of Joseph, but he was adopted by Jacob. And again, you might say, well, why are we starting with the second son? Well, here we go. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 5, the Bible says, Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt, before I came to you here, will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Notice who Jacob started with. He didn't start with Manasseh. He started with Ephraim. 
So even though Ephraim is the younger brother, Jacob blessed him first in front of Manasseh. And guess what? Joseph didn't like it. Do you know If you'll go back and you read that passage in Genesis chapter 49, do you know what Joseph tried to do? He tried to take his father's hands and swap them around. I mean, he wanted Manasseh to be blessed first because Manasseh was the oldest. But, but b- verses 19 and 20 in Genesis 49 says this, His father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too, talking about Manasseh, will become a great people. And he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he. And his descendants will become a group of nations. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Uh, Another interesting detail about uh, this group, Ephraim. Joshua. Joshua was a member of the group of Ephraim. Did anybody know that or think about that as we've been reading this book the whole last three or four months? Yeah, Joshua was a member of Ephraim. Uh, We know that from Numbers chapter 13 verse 8. I don't know if I put that on your handout, but Numbers 13 verse 8 says, From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun. Well, Numbers 13, 16 tells us who Hoshea is. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. He gave us a list of the 12 spies, right? Two of them were Caleb and Joshua. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. So Joshua's birth name was Hoshea, son of Nun. It was Moses who changed his name to Joshua. A lot of people don't know that, right? A lot of people read through the history so fast that they miss those details. Uh, Another important fact about Ephraim, the city of Shiloh. And you're probably going, well, where is that at? What is that about? So the city of Shiloh was located in Ephraim's territory, and it was a major center of worship for Israel. Uh, As a matter of fact, it was so important that Joshua and the leaders would meet there in what is known as Shiloh to continue the distribution of all the land and the inheritance. Uh, Another great, uh, again, I told you Ephraim was was a great nation. So the prophet and leader Samuel, right? So the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel, the prophet Samuel, he was actually from the tribe of Ephraim. Uh, we know that from 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 3. Samuel was God's prophet and God's leader in the transition from the judges to the kings. Okay, So when you finish up the book of Judges and the last, last of the judges um, and you move into the kings, it's Samuel who leads God's people in that transition. Now Joshua chapter 16 verse 10 tells us an interesting detail about Ephraim. Remember what I told you about Judah? Were they perfect? Nope. They were not perfect. Well, neither was Ephraim. Here's what it says. Joshua 16 verse 10. They did not dislodge the Canaanites living in Gezer. To this day, the Canaanites live among the people of Ephraim, but are required to do forced labor. So much like Judah, Ephraim either was not willing to drive out the Canaanites, or they just flat out disobeyed God. And these Canaanites, I'm going to tell you, Ephraim, they paid the price for this. Because if you'll go back and read the judges and you read into the kings, 
you'll find out that Ephraim had a bad, bad time with the Canaanites. They had a hard time with the Canaanites. Uh, they caused them many, many problems through the years. And a lot of that came through intermarriage and bowing down to false gods. And now, I mean, when it comes to false gods, that, that's usually the problem. <laughs> when they start bowing down to false gods and start denying and rejecting Almighty God, nothing good is going to come from that. So, that leaves us tonight with Manasseh. Manasseh was the firstborn son of Joseph, and he was also adopted by Jacob. Now, when we talk about Manasseh, I, I want to go backwards, because remember, Manasseh on the map that I showed you, I wish I had put it up there this week, but I forgot. I'm sorry, that's my fault. Um, but if you'll remember on the map that I showed you last week, Manasseh had two territories, okay? Um, and, and the reason of that is because half the tribe of Manasseh went to the, on the east side of the Jordan, and the other half stayed in the Promised Land. So half of the tribe of Manasseh was given their inheritance on the east side, and this half, in Joshua 17, was given the inheritance in Canaan. Now, if you look at how much land, this is very, very interesting. When you read those details of the land descriptions, if you look at how much land was given to Manasseh on both the east and the west sides of the Jordan River, it is one of the largest portions of land. Uh, as a matter of fact, when you look at all of the land, the two largest tribes, according to land, is Judah and Manasseh. No one has more land than those two groups. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, listen to what he says about Manasseh and Ephraim. He said, although Joseph was one of the twelve sons of Jacob, he did not have a tribe named after him. This is because as the oldest son of Rachel... He received a double portion of the inheritance and his double portion went to his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So if you've ever wondered, why don't we talk about the tribe of Joseph? It's because he received a double portion, but because he had two sons, both of his portions were given to those two sons. So we don't talk about a tribe of Joseph. We talk about the tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of Ephraim. Uh, now, Manasseh's tribe was well known for being uh, conquerors. They were known for their conquest. Manasseh was known as fighting men. That's what they were well known for. As a matter of fact, um, you might not know this, but you will after tonight, an important member of Manasseh was a young man named Gideon. Yeah, Gideon was empowered by the Spirit of God, and it was Gideon who defeated the Midianites. Uh, if you'll go to Judges, 6 and 7, that's where you'll read about Gideon. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that Gideon was from the tribe of Manasseh. But if you'll remember, it was Gideon who took 300 men that the Lord gave him and he defeated all of those Midianite soldiers. Um, he also called upon Ephraim to come down and seize the waters. So it was Gideon, tribe of Manasseh, who called on the tribe of Ephraim to come down and help him. And so Ephraim came down and they're the ones that guarded the waters of the Jordan when the Midianites were trying to leave. And so, uh, just some interesting details there from someone very important in that tribe. Uh, now, I want to read to you Joshua chapter 17, two verses here, while we're talking about Manasseh. It says this in Joshua 17, verse 12 and 13. It says, Yet the Manassites were not able to occupy these towns. For the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. Uh, that region was the territory e east of Shechem. So if you're wondering about Manasseh and you're wondering about the territory that they were not able um, to, 
to drive out everybody. It, it was the area of Shechem. Does that name Shechem sound familiar? What happened at Shechem? Anybody? You remember Simeon and Levi? What did they do at Shechem? Yeah, they took revenge for their sister Dinah, uh, who was raped by the king of Shechem's son. So Shechem just has, there's a lot of importance there with the city of Shechem. And so it says, the Manassites were not able to occupy these towns for Canaanites were determined to live in that region. Verse 13, however, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. Well, guess what? They suffered because of that. Do you remember what God's command was to all of these tribes? Drive them out. Drive them out completely. And remember what I said about partial obedience? What is that? That's no obedience. That's right. Partial obedience, we might go, "Ah, I did pretty good. Uh, You disobeyed. If it was partial obedience, you disobeyed. Partial obedience doesn't work. I've always said this, God don't grade it on curve, right? Um, It's a zero or a hundred. So you can... can Read the story. You can go through the judges and you can go into kings and you'll find out just what happened to the Manassites because of um, the Canaanites that they did not drive out. Now, when I look at all of this, and again, uh, I'm going to do this uh, over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to talk to you more about the tribes and talk to you more about some of the things that we know about them because, to be honest with you, when you look at the Scriptures, uh, some of these tribes we we know very little about. Because basically they're known as one nation, the nation of Israel. Uh, Now later on, obviously, guess what happens? They split. And we have Judah and we have Israel. We have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, But for the most part, when when we look at Scripture, they're really talked about as one group. Okay, So the 12 tribes, sometimes when you're studying the Scriptures, you'll notice that it talks about clans. Each tribe had what was called clans that built that tribe. So, for example, Judah, uh, within Judah, that tribe, they had so many clans. And those clans laid claim to this territory and that territory and this territory and that territory. And so it's hard to, to find out every single detail about every single tribe or every single clan. But we do know some people based on the book of Numbers um, and based on what we see in Judges. Uh, We know who some of these people are because of the genealogy. So remember what I told you about genealogies? You can look at it and go, why do I need to know that? Sometimes the genealogies are important because it tells you what tribe they came from and you can retrace the blessing, right? All the way back to Genesis. So one of the reasons I put this on your handout, Genesis chapter 49, is because Jacob gave each one of those tribes blessings and he told them what they would be known for, right? What they would do. And what you do is you start reading the Scriptures, Joshua, Judges, move into the Kings, go into the Chronicles, and what you'll find is that exactly what Jacob said, right? The blessing that God gave him to pour out on those tribes, it's exactly what God says. I mean, to the letter. So when I look at this, when I look at these tribes, when I look at all of these areas of land and what was going on in the land, my question is, okay, Jeff, what does that have to do with you in 2022 in Start, Louisiana? Have you ever asked yourself that question when you read the Old Testament? Have you ever asked yourself that question when you're reading on a historical account? Remember, I told you, a lot of people when they teach this, they teach it as a history. And listen, it is history. 
But there's something, there's something a little more important than history, right? It, 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 it's called spirit, right? The spirit is speaking to us through the Old Testament. And so what I believe we see in these three tribes is that God blessed them, right? We see God's blessing. Focus on God's blessing. He blessed them with the promised land. Everything He promised them, He, he kept it. Why do we say that? When God makes a promise, He keeps it. All right? The other thing is, even when they were faithless, because tonight in all three of these groups, what did I show you? Even though God blessed them, they still failed to completely obey God. And they faced the consequences of it. Now, I didn't go into great detail about the consequences they faced. That's going to be your homework, right? You can go back and look and see just what kind of consequences they faced. But I will tell you this, God remained faithful. That sounds like something in the New Testament, doesn't it? Maybe something Paul told young Timothy, right? Even when we are faithless, God will always remain faithful because he cannot disown himself. That's what the Scripture says. So what I believe we see, I mean, I read, I read these three chapters and I scoured them and I highlighted and I underlined and, and, and what I noticed was a lot of land description. I mean, you just go look at it. There's a reason I didn't try to read it all tonight because you just ate a lot of food and you're kicked back in a chair and if I'd have started reading some of his land description, I'd have had to start throwing some stuff at you to wake you up, okay? I'm, I'm just being honest, right? It's hard sometimes to read those things and say, okay, what does that matter to me right here, right now? But I'm telling you, when you look at it as a whole, here's what it says. It says when God makes a promise, he keeps it. That's what it says. What it says is that even though we are faithless sometimes, God remains faithful. God blesses us. I'm going to tell you, and when God blesses us, it ain't because we deserved it or earned it. That's what, that's what these Israelites show me, right? I always go back. I had someone ask me uh, just a couple of weeks ago about Joshua, and, and his response was, you know, it's hard to find anything wrong with Joshua. And I said, well, you ain't read the same book of Joshua I read because I can take you back where it says Joshua did not inquire of the Lord and he signed a treaty with the people that God said do not sign a treaty with. Yeah, he ain't perfect. He ain't perfect. He, he sinned before God, just like I sinned before God. So in the book of Joshua, we see, look, it, it's hard to look at Caleb and go, is there anything wrong with Caleb? Yeah, there's something wrong with Caleb. You want to know why? Because he's a human being. And he follows in the footsteps of Adam, which is every one of us. We are all sinners, right? And so what we see in this passage from Joshua 15 all the way through 17 is that God is always faithful. And I'm going to tell you something. His faithfulness has not changed, right? His faithfulness has not changed. That means for you and me today, the way God spoke and the way God moved in the book of Joshua, God ain't stopped speaking. Maybe we stop listening. Maybe that's the problem, right? Or maybe we want God to say what we want. And so we don't think God's speaking because we didn't hear what we wanted to hear, right? I'm going to tell you, sometimes the best message is the one you don't want to hear. It's the life-changing message. It's the one you need the most. And so this account in Joshua doesn't mean 
that you and I can just live however we want. It doesn't mean that we can just rebel against God over and over again. That's another thing that I hate. Sometimes people take things out of context. Like, like when we say even though we're faithless, God remains faithful, that doesn't give us a get-out-of-hell-free card. That doesn't mean, well, since God's faithful, and it doesn't matter if I'm faithful or not, I'm going to tell you something. You need Jesus if that's your attitude. You need Jesus. Because if you got Jesus, you ain't thinking that. And you ain't thinking that way. And I'm not apologizing for that statement. Okay? If you think you can just go live the way you want and the blood of Jesus has covered you, uh, you need to rethink who Jesus really is. Because that ain't salvation. That's selfish. Right? If I truly know Jesus, then I know what my sin cost. And I don't want to live in that sin. Now, am I going to befall? Am I going to be guilty of sin? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. With a changed heart, I don't want to live in it. And I don't want to keep doing it. The Spirit of God won't let me do that. The Holy People ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, how can you know that you're saved? I'm going to tell you one way you can know you're saved. Are you being convicted by the Holy Spirit when you sin? Because if you're not being convicted by the Holy Spirit when you sin, we got, we got Houston, we got a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I thank God for conviction. Some people are like, oh man, it hurts. Thank you God for conviction. Because that means the Holy Spirit is stirring me. And if the Holy Spirit is stirring me and in me, then I'm with you, Lord. <laughs> All right? So to me, that's one of the very first things. If, people, if somebody ever asks you, how can I know? that I know Jesus? How can I know that I'm saved? How can I know that I'm right with God? Conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the first things. If you can just keep on sinning and keep on doing and keep on doing and never be convicted, you might need to retrace your steps. You might need to retrace, right? So God is faithful. Even when we are faithless, God is faithful. That doesn't mean that we can just live the way we want to live. That means we get right with God through repentance of sin. Um, Listen, God can forgive us. God can cleanse us. We know that. That's what the Scripture tells us. Um, but, but when He does that, what He'll do is He'll pick us up and He'll put us back on the path that He has for us. He'll point us in the right direction so that we too can do what? Participate in His purposes. That's another thing that I see in Joshua 15 through 17 is, is I see Joshua. This is important. I like what he's doing. Uh, he, he is following, listen, God had already told Moses, here's the promised land and here are the allotments. He had already told Moses all of that. And, and so Joshua is doing what God had already told Moses to do. He's following in obedience, doing what God said to do. Joshua's taking this serious. How serious is he taking it? Well, you go read that land description. He, he's telling you how to get there better than I can. Like, he's telling you every detail. Like, he is lining it up. Like, he, he's a, what do we call that, Andy? Is that a, is that cartography? Is that what that's called? What, remember, what was it? Like a land survey. Yeah, like a land survey. We were talking about, uh, we were talking about uh, Mr. Clarence White, right? And he could pull a map out and he could tell y'all, is that, I can't even remember what terminology he used. But we were just talking about how incredible, right? How incredible it is for someone to be able to look at a map and then just boom, 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 like write it down. And so, yeah, this, he was the best land surveyor ever. I mean, that's the way it was. Yeah, this, but this is important. What he's doing is God's business, right? It's God's work. It's God's purposes and God's plans. And remember, I've said this all along about the book of Joshua. The thing you're going to see in the book of Joshua is that God is faithful. 
right? He keeps his promises to his children. But on the flip side of that, you're going to see that his children continue to what? Participate in those purposes. In other words, they don't just sit around and wait for God to just drop it, right? No, they're, they're active. They're active with their faith. They're active in their obedience. And that's what God wants. And I'm going to tell you, um, that hadn't changed. That hadn't changed. How, how many times today do we just sit around waiting for God to just, God, would you fix this? God, would you do this? And God's saying, I put you there. I put you there to fix it. I put you there to do it. Like, that, that hits me hard a lot of times. A lot of times I'm guilty of, God, I wish you would just do, God, I would just, God, can you just, God, will you? And, and it's the Spirit, right, who starts to stir and convict. And, well, what are you here for? Right? What, 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 do, what do you have this group of brothers and sisters in Christ with you for? Like, what are y'all doing? And so, that's what I find in this passage of Scripture. I just, I find God being faithful. I find God, you know, blessing and being faithful. Yeah, I see some ups and some downs of His children, but more than anything, the collective thing, I see His children obediently participating in the purposes and plans that God has for them. So, this is incredible, all right? This is good stuff. And uh, again, we're going to look at these tribes. We're going to look at who they are and, and where they are and, and what they do and sometimes what they don't do. Um, but more than anything, and it's hard. Uh, trust me, I know it's hard. This is more than history, okay? I, I'm not trying to give you a history lesson. I don't want you to walk out of here tonight and go, man, that's pretty cool that Gideon was from the tribe of Manasseh. Don't miss the point that, that God's children participated in his purposes and they did it with complete obedience, not partial obedience. Right? Just don't, don't miss the major theme and the importance for me and you today because you thought about some little historical fact. I'm going to give you those things because I think it's important. But the most important thing is don't miss what God did and don't miss how his children responded. Okay?